Why not two podcasts in one week? Kevin's Corner. We're coming at you twice. Been a while since we've done that in one week, let alone 72 hours. I'm Kevin Bowen. Chris Presley across the way. Man, I can't think of the last time we did two podcasts in a week. Um, maybe draft? Yeah. You know, you got to go back to late April, but um, some sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. And when Chris Ballard talks, you got to recap it. Absolutely. And he had his annual Zoom, or I should say his annual pre-training camp presser via Zoom on a Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, late morning, and then Frank Reich followed up as well. So uh, we'll get into a lot of that on today's podcast, recapping, especially what Ballard had to say. Reich you know, should be available on a somewhat frequent basis here over the next couple of, of weeks and obviously throughout the season. Uh, but this could be the last time we hear from Chris Ballard in, uh, in quite a while. So I want to hit on that. Um, I think we got a good rundown of Twitter questions. We do. So we asked for those this morning. We're taping this late Thursday morning. And so if there's any other crazy news that breaks from an opt-out standpoint, um, hopefully that won't happen for multiple reasons, but I don't envision another pod until like middle of next week. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I think that's all the logistics of it. I don't think anything else really stands out. You got to love in, in your role, your job, how refreshing and, and just blunt Ballard is in all of his press conferences. Yeah, I love oh yeah. listening to Ballard talk. Yeah, he is a great, great um, quote, if you will. Um, very candid. You know, and, and I say very candid, and when you compare him to the other general managers around the league, mm-hmm. and even you know his predecessor, um, Kevin Pritchard's the same way sure. for the Pacers. You know, both of them I think are are very much in the same boat. So I enjoy it. Uh, he was what probably forty five minutes, maybe not that long, but it was well over half hour that he spoke on Wednesday. So. Um, really, really appreciate it. Obviously, a lot of like COVID specific stuff, and we're going to go over a little bit of that. But still, there were some very, um, some actual football questions that he was asked and answered, and then just maybe a, a little bit of a look on how training camp will go and how much more physical the Colts feel like they will need to be in training camp um, to get them ready for the start of the regular season. So, yes, whenever Chris Boward speaks. You listen, he's the decision maker. He's mm-hmm. the one calling the shots for this franchise. And uh, Jim Mercer gives him a whole, whole lot of leeway in that, rightfully so. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I always enjoy talking to Chris. And it's been nice seeing, uh, you know, I saw Pittman and taking some some throws from Eason, seeing some of those rookies and guys that have been able to report a little bit early. Actually, even though they were going, what, 25%, just nice to see guys with helmets on and running routes 100% and Frank Reich watching him a little bit and and yeah I guess people might be a little bit confused on why the rookies are in the building that's normal annual protocol with training camp basically what happens is the rookies always report I don't know five to seven days before veterans do so they've gotten through all the testing you know BS if you will I shouldn't say BS it's obviously very serious but you know what I mean those several steps that you have to get through from a testing standpoint as well do the quarterbacks that's why we've seen Philip Rivers have his little cameo with the Hickory shirt on, you know, putting his helmet on and whatnot. Um, they are already through those hurdles. And the injured guys, I should th- throw them into the mix as well. Um, but the Darius Leonard's, the Anthony Walkers, the T.Y. Hilton's of the world, they are just now getting into the test. Next day, test. Isolated, isolated. You test again, and then this weekend is when they'll start to get into the building, and next week will be all strength and conditioning for the Colts. So 
Um, yeah, rookies are, are allowed to be in there. Uh, the on-field work, as you saw, it, it's walkthrough. Yeah. It, it's nothing more than that. So um, very, very limited, but these are steps in the right direction. And as long as we're taking steps forward in this, we're going to keep on acting like this season's going to start on time. I know internally there are some important people in that building that have questions about the season starting on time, but I don't think anyone knows, to be honest. Yeah. And you got to treat it like it is going to start on time, or else you're going to be playing behind the eight ball pretty early in the season. The Colts have done that way way too often in uh, in recent years. Yeah, you talk about how they're taking the tests and the rest and waiting waiting for the results and things like that. What else did Ballard mention in terms of a COVID overview? Yeah, I would say the two biggest things stand out to me, Chris, is this: it's all going to come down to testing and how you behave, and those are two very different actions but they will be absolutely paramount in how this season is going to go for the Colts and for the NFL. Testing standpoint, you know, you can listen to WIBC for, for more on that, but, you know, it, it seems to be an issue in our country right now, um, and Major League Baseball has had some hiccups with it. The NFL can't afford that. No. You've got to be on top of it. Um, you know, I saw the NBA, you know, they are paying for, I think, all of the Orlando tests, like, people that actually live in the city of Orlando, you get free tests for the next month. Like, that's part of what the NBA is doing. I'll be curious to see if NFL teams, you know, do that, if they feel like they're taking away from some of the amount of, uh, of tests from a public standpoint. Um, but basically what Ballard has done is he's taken head trainer Dave Hammer, who's a longtime trainer, been there really since the move, I think, or right around there, and he is the head of the infectious control team. And so he has basically reorganized that entire building to where you are very socially distant within that building. Um, Frank Reich showed us his chip yesterday that he wears, his contact tracing chip. And basically it um, has a very quiet beep and maybe is the color like red or blue when you're not within six feet of Mm -hmm. anybody. When you get within six feet of somebody, it starts beeping louder faster and it changes colors to red or blue whatever color it is and so I think those are all you know obviously necessary items to try and make this work um, you know dividers in between lockers one-way hallways uh, meeting rooms are not going to look like every person right next to each other in in seats um, meals have to be ordered prepackaged through an app or you order through an app and then prepackaged and I don't I don't believe your uh, used to be buffet style, yeah, and, and so they it, they are not that anymore. Um, you know, Ballard, I thought had a couple good quotes of you know calling it the ultimate test of discipline. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, they feel like, and we've mentioned this on many podcasts throughout the off season, they feel like the Colts are better equipped for this than other teams, and, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think there's a level of maturity. Self drive that the Colts have that maybe other teams don't have one to fifty three or yeah. one to ninety or or whatnot. Um, you know, I, I when I say the behavior part, this is where I think Frank Reich and, and, and to a degree Chris Boward will really earn their true colors of how do you instill that into your players, and I think. Frank Wright getting up in front of the players and saying everyone needs to behave is one thing, but that's like your dad 
or your mom standing mm-hmm. up in front of you and telling you to go the speed limit for the seventeenth hundredth time. Right. You know, it, it just it doesn't resonate as much. And so, how do you do that? And this is me personally talking. I think Frank Reich needs to get players in front of players. And as of right now, eleven eighteen on Thursday morning, the Colts have not had a player opt out. But we've heard the stories of Marquise Goodwin and you know Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower and some of these other players that have opted out. They're opting out for very legitimate reasons. And sure, it is a help having thirty or forty million in your back pocket and have won a Super Bowl. Definitely. But like there are legitimate health concerns within these families. Absolutely. And if you're DeForest Buckner and you've got a four month old or you're Philip Rivers and you got nine kids. <laughs> you know, I remember back in March, or not March, but maybe like June, whenever Philip talked to the media last, he talked about they homeschooled their kids last year and they might do it again this year, more of a COVID thing this year. I mean, that's something you would think the NFL would probably want players to be doing. But it comes back to the point of when you do something out of the building that is considered risky, whatever that is. You're not only putting yourself at risk, but you're putting everyone else at risk inside of that locker room. And then the domino effect is all of those family members that those players go home to on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. And who knows who these players are are living with? Maybe they've got an aunt. Maybe they've got a grandma. Maybe they have a sister, a brother, something like that that, that lives with them. And they could have a health risk. And if it's anything from a respiratory standpoint or – diabetes, you know, whatever it is, I think those types of stories, if players are going to say, all right, I'm going to take a risk and play here because I I need the money and, you know, I feel like I can still be safe, I need all of you to buy in as well. I think player-to-player talk will resonate a lot more than just Frank Wright going there. I even thought about uh, Kenny Moore and Jack Doyle are represented by an agent here locally named Buddy Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called Explosive, Exclusive Sports Group, I believe, is his agency. And um, tragically, his mother and father both passed earlier this year from from COVID. You know, someone like that. How does that story not mm-hmm. resonate to you? And That's an true. agent has a much, you know, in a way, I think that – they have the ear of 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 a lot of players, obviously, because of that relationship, you know, outside of a team building. So, um, I, I think those are all just kind of some things that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have explored, need to explore. You know, Ballard mentioned the four keys of testing, contact tracing, social distancing, and then he threw sanitizing and wearing a mask into the same group. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, all of that matters. You know, I I, I know that. This probably isn't the most politically correct answer, but for the NFL, what's happening to the Marlins, what happened with Lou Williams, that's good. Those are good things because what is that doing? It's opening up everybody's freaking eyes. Yes, it is. They are wide the you-know-what open, and not because they want chicken wings at a strip club. <laughs> it's because if you don't wake up, boys, gals, this ain't getting to mid-August. Nope. So I think all of that um, is beneficial. To the NFL because they are the last ones. They have all the learning. They are they're seeing all the screw ups or all the hiccups elsewhere, and they're trying to get a handle on this as best as possible. So, um, yeah, that that was kind of the, the the basis of it. I think Frank Reich's a guy that's pretty well equipped for this. I, I I've always talked about. I think we talked about it on Monday's podcast. Frank Reich is you hand him the forty six man 
roster at the start of the week, and he says, all right, let's go win a football game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's him. Backup quarterback. He is a no excuses, no um, you know panic from him. It, it, that sounds like a cliche you hear from a lot of people. I think it's so true for Frank Reich. I think that's really how he lives his life. So I do think he's a coach that can handle this pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the old – COVID rundown. So as of 11:20 here on Thursday, as we're recording this, no cold has opted out. Right. But remind our listeners of the podcast who might not know what is that that deadline or that drop dead date for players to opt out. It's 7 days from when the final CBA gets inked. And we aren't there yet. So it's I think at least August 5th. Um and obviously there's a 300,000 opt out for high risk, mm-hmm. 150000 for low risk or non-risk, whatever you want to call it, for those players. And I know a lot of people want me to predict, like, who yeah, – I'm sorry, like, yeah. you know, Luke Rhodes' wife's about to have a baby. Like, I, I have no idea. I mean, like, you know, like, I, if I knew these people's personal lives, I wouldn't have my own family. Like, that would be way too much yeah. to try and understand. And, and nor do these players, you know, wanna, maybe want to be that forthcoming – in that as well. I mean, Devin Funches, you know, sends out his message and mentioned family reasons, but he didn't go very in depth, you know, into those family reasons. And that's fine. You know, some people want to keep some of that personal stuff, you know, has, has COVID, you know, impacted directly impacted close friends of mine. Yes. In a very family matter that would impact probably my willingness to, to play, but you know, to each their own. And, and I'm, I in no way, shape or form, no, you know, what Anthony Costanzo's dealing with, what, you know, uh, you know, Marvell Tell's dealing with. I mean, all ends of the roster. Yeah. You have no idea with these guys. Right now, the Colts have two guys on the COVID list, Malik Henry and uh, Jackson Porter. You know, two kind of the back end of the roster guys. Um, so, so far, so good, but you're still testing right now. I mean, you're, you're, you're early on in that testing process. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we're at. And um, I probably think the other biggest thing will just be how the NFL handles the positive tests mm-hmm. because we've seen with Major League Baseball, I'm a, I'm a Reds fan, and Mike Moustakis, Nick Senzel, both a little bit under the weather, I think on Saturday it was, never tested positive for COVID. Symptoms went away, and yet they didn't play for like five days. Mm-hmm. So it's like that I think is some of the more logistical hurdles the NFL has got to get through of, you know, are you relying on your taxi squad? Major League Baseball doesn't seem like so far with the Marlins that they are. Now I know it's a lot of Marlins, but I think those are some of the hurdles that the NFL um, needs to needs to get through to see, okay, if and when these things happen, how are we going to handle it and how are we going to keep the season going? You, you can't play doubleheaders in the NFL. You can't play on a Wednesday and again on a Sunday. Like you got to kind of go with it. And, and lastly, Chris, the bubble idea for the NFL is laugh out loud funny. It sounds good, and the NBA and MLS is having unbelievable success with it, knock mm-hmm. on wood. I believe I saw the number $180 million for the NBA to run their bubble wow. in Orlando. That's 22 teams. Yep. That's a 35-person travel party mm-hmm. for those 22 teams. I crunched the numbers. I won't bore you with those numbers, but that's 32 teams in the NFL. Probably a 150-person travel party per team. 
they all have to stay in the bubble from July 28th to December 31st. Like, the NBA is losing six teams. They they don't have eight teams there to begin with. Correct. They're losing six teams in a couple weeks. Then they're going to lose eight more teams by the mm-hmm. end of August. That bubble's going to shrink a whole lot. Disney and playing basketball is a whole lot easier than playing football and having everyone available to a practice facility. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh, you can do sub-bubbles, you know, around the U.S., four bubbles here, eight, eight, eight bubbles. You're, you're traveling. You're going to have to travel out of those bubbles. So it, it just sounds a lot easier than it is. It yeah. probably would have cost the NFL over a billion, honestly, mm-hmm. if they would have done oh, yeah. a, a bubble for the entire season. Um, so, yes, the bubble works. The NFL is a different animal. And, you know, getting players to commit to staying in a bubble for five months, too, if we're already seeing some of these guys opt out, can you imagine if bubble life was involved with it? Yeah, I'm so, good. I, yeah, I, I just I, I wanted to make sure that that we mentioned that. I, I just think it's it's impossible. Um, which yes, does it lessen the chance of this season being pulled off without a glitch? Obviously, without a doubt. But the NFL has time on their side, and they're able to learn. And now, uh, hopefully, everybody can behave, and the testing process can work. Well, Ballard had to talk about that stuff. Very important. But, Kevin, he also talked football, mm. something that we've been waiting for. We are Let's go. kind of back. What were some of the intriguing positions that he that he spoke about? Boy, it was a lot of COVID talk, and I tried to get another question there at the end, and I was like, intriguing position battles, and luckily he ran with it. He, <laughs> he took a look down at his depth chart and, and decided to talk about it, and there were three that stood out to him. And I, I phrased the question, intriguing positions slash battles. Um, he threw out linebacker. He threw out defensive line, and he threw out the gloriousness <laughs> that is the kicker battle here in oh, 2020. Yes. Um, let's start with linebacker. I posted, I think it was on Monday, positions of strength for the Colts in 2020. Got a little bit of pushback from people on it that I had linebacker number one. It's number one on Chris Ballard's mind. I mean, it is it is the best, deepest position group. I, I To me... When you say positions of strength, I'm factoring in two things. High-end talent combined with depth. And I think that's what linebacker has. You have the Mm all-pro. You've got the number two and three guys that people really, really like. And then you've got a little bit of depth that, you know, is somewhat intriguing. Uh, You know, Ballard groups the trio of Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, and Bobby Okereke. He's... He says, I'll, I'll compare that with anybody else in the league. High praise. High praise. Um, can't say I've looked at every linebacker depth chart around the NFL, but I, I think it's rather deserved. Now, you need Okariki to take a step. Mm-hmm. You need Walker to still be very consistent. And Leonard, you know, maybe if you're going to nitpick a slight improvement on rundowns, but obviously his playmaking speaks for itself. Yeah, I, 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 I can't say I disagree with that. Um, he mentioned EJ Speed, a guy with some upside, and Zaire Franklin and Matthew Adams. We've talked about them as special teams guys in recent years. Obviously, Jordan Glasgow, the six-round pick out of Michigan. We'll see his his ability to push for a roster spot. But, I mean, this is why they were number one on my positions of, of, of strength. You know, it's not like I'm texting Chris Ballard asking him for that by any means. But you just look at it, and it's hard not to see why there's so much intrigue there. So maybe it's not it's not like he got into the Okariki versus yeah a Walker head to head battle, but you know 
he doesn't have to say it for us to for us to know it. Defensive line was the second one, and really I think it all revolved around Buckner, all around DeForest Buckner, and more so because, yes, we know how much defensive line means to Ballard. We knows we know that he knows it needs to be great, and it hasn't been anywhere near great um, over the past few years. But when he talks about the specialness of Buckner, it goes beyond tackles for loss, sacks, 16 games every season. I think I talked about this on Monday, but there's an amount of professionalism that I think Buckner brings to that group Mm -hmm. that I feel like Ballard was getting at with that of the domino effect of put your arm around Tyquan Lewis, put your arm around Kamoko Ture, Banagoo. Um, are, are, are those guys all in the same place from a work ethic drive standpoint? No, but do they all need a little bit more? Yeah. And so I think that's where having Buckner in that room really, really helps. Um, so I think that's where he was getting at. And, and then lastly, kicker. He mentioned Chase McLaughlin, Rodrigo Blankenship, did not mention Adam Vinatieri, of course. Um, and I thought it was interesting that he brought up We've got to create pressure pack situations for these guys without preseason games. That's something we talked about mm-hmm. on Monday's podcast. And and to be honest with you, Chris, I don't know what the hell you do. Like, 80 guys hooting and hollering before they kick. You put on Zombie Nation and you crank it really loud before they kick. I mean, I don't – Rodrigo Blankenship has kicked, like you said, in front of 90, 100,000-person stadiums in, in – SEC championships and and national title games. Like, how do you equate that to here we are inside of Lucas Oil and there's a hundred of us in here and there's the media (laughs) in section 234 and, you know, Stephen Holder and Zach Kiefer making noise. Like, I don't. Yeah. It's going to be tough. But um, that's it. That is the kicker battle. And so if they're on the mind of Chris Ballard, those three positions, they will continue to be on the mind uh, for us all throughout this summer. How does he see the uh, camp intensity being this year? I mean, everything's going to be different. Yeah, everything will be different. Um, you know, he, he mentioned how there will be a couple of occasions where things get ramped up. And I know I've touched on this a little bit, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, the Colts – Outside of maybe a goal line drill or two, I can't remember live tackling, especially in like the middle parts of the field or like a true scrimmage. Like it's not like here's your first team all like you're playing a spring game. Here's your first team offense going against the first team defense, and then you flip. Or you know your second team offense plays against the first team. Whatever. I I don't remember that ever happening fully live. I get the quarterback still wearing a red jersey, but you know tackling Marlon Mack after a six yard gain, things like that. Um. Will that happen? You know, they they seem to think it'll be physical. Reich mentioned that he wants to get down to Lucas Oil a couple times, and those will be pretty game-like practice days. They're going back to the old-school 70s and 80s type of... (laughs) I I can't see that, no. I mean, again, that's where I kind of draw the line of... And you also get into, okay, what if a guy misses his first week here? Now, is he catching up? Is he still going strength conditioning and individual stuff when you're doing full team? Because we aren't in full pads in the NFL yeah, until August 17th. Now, you get 14 padded practices from then until September 5th when you make roster cuts. But 
just how physical it looks like, I probably need to see it before I'm all in on on believing it. Um, and, and I fully understand the balance and the difficulty of making that decision. You know, do I really need to see DeForest Buckner tackling guys? Probably not. But do I want to, you know, do I think in the back of my mind that could help us win a season opener if he is going full speed? Then yeah, that that's mm-hmm. that would be just talk about, you know, two different sides pulling at each other there. So um, for the Lucas Oil days, Ballard didn't seem to be maybe all in on the fans being there for that. I know that that could be a possibility that some teams have thrown out there. Um, But we'll see how that goes. I mean, to me, it's like, can you not throw some fans in the Section 400, 500? I I don't know. It it sounds a lot easier, I know, than it is. Um, So we'll see on that. You know, healthy tension was the phrase that Reich used. And Reich was like, look, these guys have a ramp-up period. One week of strength conditioning, five days of individual with helmets and, and, and no pads, and then we get into full pads. So let's go. And they were they were both really pleased with a rookie rookie class that's already been in here and, and the shape that those guys are in. So that is positive. Um, but, yeah, obviously I'm all for the more physicality because it means – truer evaluations and and just you can it's more of a more of a level playing field if you will to evaluate and try to see okay that's what these guys look like and and this is what is different or this is what's the same those types of um you know takeaways that that you can have but obviously that'll be a big storyline when the full pads come on one of the other notable uh topics that Ballard hit on was the salary cap picture for 2021 yeah yeah um well, I I guess I'll say for now the Colts are going to keep that roster at around 90. You, you you're allowed to do yep. that until like I said that mid-August date that comes. You've got to get down to 80. Ballard said that could be fluid. You know, we saw them cut a tight end the other day, so I think it's at 89. I don't I forget. It. I don't think the pup guys count, but I could be wrong about that right now. Um but for now they're going to keep it around 90. That could change. No outside free agent visits right now. So I know a lot of people are still talking Clowney, mm-hmm. still talking Everson Griffin. Those guys can't come into your building. If you are, which this sounds very murky, and I, there's a lot of gray area here, if you bring a free agent in for a visit, the intent is you are signing them. That's that's the phrase that Ballard uttered. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of gray area. Yeah, but, you know. Selfishly, also, I mean, if you're bringing in a free agent, you don't know what they've been doing for the last two weeks. Like, you aren't just going to bring a guy in your building and tour him around the building and give him a physical if you think that, you know, well, yeah, we're just, you know, we might send this guy in three weeks. You know, you're exposing your building to someone that you that you don't know a whole lot about, you know, from a testing standpoint. But as far as the salary cap, Ballard, I thought, was very honest and like, okay, now we have some idea of what it's going to look like for 2021 and beyond. And we didn't have that, you know, in past days or past weeks. So that murkiness is gone to a degree. And now he loves to use the phrase lines in the water. Now you can put a couple lines in the water for possible contract extensions. When I hear that, I think Ryan Kelly. Yep. 
Um, I don't think T.Y. Hilton as much. I don't think Marlon Mack. I obviously don't think Malik Hooker or Anthony. You know, there's a long list of those free agents. To me, Ryan Kelly is atop that list. Mm -hmm. Um, We know they've had talks before. We'll see. Costanzo and Hilton, you know, are two guys that, you know, have signed um, contracts, you know, right during training camp, right before the start of the season before. So it it happens. Um, But that is the name that, that comes to mind most often when I think about extensions that could, should get done. Awesome. Well, if uh, the listeners want to take on any more of your update from Chris Ballard, they can go to 1075thefan.com. You have that article up. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. But you want to jump into some Twitter questions? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. The first one this week is from Jordan. Say Malik Hooker has a Pro Bowl caliber season and plays like everyone thought he would after being drafted in the first round. What do the Colts do? considering we have high hopes for Julian Blackman. Well, Jordan, um, I don't know if you saw, but Matt Eberflus was on our station's morning show earlier today and was asked, Stephen Holder was filling in, and uh, was asked about Malik Hooker and talked about um, basically just tapered off late in the year. And there needs to be a level of consistency that um, he sustains over a 16-game season. But he also mentioned, you know, and who knows if this is coach speaker or whatnot, that he still feels like there is more there and he can get to that level. But, Jordan, you know, you ask here, if he has a Pro Bowl caliber season, what do the Colts do? Let's keep in mind, it's what do the Colts do and what does Hooker want to do? He is a free agent. That is a two-way street. Now, with your question, if you're the Colts, a lot will depend on the Julian Blackman knee situation. You look at your books. You look at your contract situation. You figure out, okay, how are we making this work? Can we make it work? Do we want to make it work? It's a bit of a you know decrease in cap. Or do you want to invest that much into safety? Because if Hooker has a Pro Bowl caliber season, he's looking at a four- or five-year deal, probably paid – I don't know, top five safety money, top seven safety money. I mean, if he's, yeah. you know, if, he, if, if he's been a middle of the pack starting safety right now, if he has a Pro Bowl year at that age, he's going to be one of the higher paid safeties in the league. So, are you ready to commit that? And we know what you're committing, you know, for Leonard. We know what you're going to commit for Nelson. You know, you got the quarterback dilemma as well. So, those are all the questions. And obviously, a ton goes back to your belief in Julian Blackman. Um, I, I tend to think that the price tag would be too high because I think the market outside of Indianapolis would drive that up. Mm-hmm. And again, Malik Hooker, what is he going to think? Well, what's going to be his mindset? So, um, yeah, those are my thoughts on it, Jordan. We talked about how high of praise Ballard gave the linebacking core. Sam's question falls in line with that. With the Colts being high on Bobby Okariki, could you see the Colts playing more of a base defense to get Leonard Walker and Okariki on the field at the same time? Sam, I totally hear you. Um, boy, you feel like the Colts would be so much better equipped with this defense for, you know, 2003. But I hear you, and my first thought is this. What about Kenny Moore not playing his best position? Kenny Moore in the slot is his best position. If you have three linebackers, you know, it's not like you're having three defensive linemen and Leonard's putting his hand in the dirt. Like mm-hmm. as, as intriguing as that sounds and as curious as I would be, you probably aren't doing that. So that would be my first pause to that. And I would say the other point on this too is 
it goes back to kind of the Jim Mercer comments in February that we talked about with Bobby of if you think he's a Pro Bowl talent, then I also have this internal battle with myself of like, why is he on the bench? Or, you know, why is he on the bench for that much? Um, of course, and I also think about why do you want one of, your, one of your more consistent players on the bench as well? So I totally hear you, Sam. It's tough. It's not easy, but um, I still think in today's NFL, you got to play a good amount of nickel. From Yuri, congratulations on the new baby. Thank you, Yuri. Do you think it hinders or helps the Colts to have no preseason? For instance, does the fact that Rivers, having been there and seen everything, help the Colts when other teams have rookie quarterbacks with no preseason? Well, Yuri, I guess you're looking at one end of the spectrum or the other. Um, now, I would say this. I mean, how many rookie quarterbacks are ta- are, are starting, you know? Burrow? Like, Tua's going to start, Tua. right? But Herbert's not. Tyrod Taylor, I saw. Um, well, do they start with Fitz and let ease Tua in? Yeah, see, I mean, I, I'm team throw the dude in the freaking fire. Yeah. But that's me. Um, But, yeah, th- I guess, you know, unfortunately the Colts, you know, Yes, they do play Cincinnati, but it's not like you're competing with Cincinnati and Miami. There are a lot of quarterbacks that fall very differently on the experience scale. You know, Rivers didn't play in the preseason last year, but before that, for a guy that's been in the league for, you know, 15 years, he still would throw like 15, 20 passes every year in the preseason. So it's not like he was, all right, you know, I'm going to wear the visor and, and, and the earpiece all of August. Um. I still think, you know, Yuri comes down to he's throwing to new personnel for the first time in his career, like entirely new personnel. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest thing, and this is for every team, this is not just Rivers, but for every team throughout the next month is you can try to simulate and you can try to throw situations together and you can even take the red jersey off, mimicking game speed against different color jerseys. You cannot truly get there. You just, you can try as hard as you want. You can get close, but you can never get fully there. And, you know, a third and seven week one and Josh Allen's pinning his ears back and coming at you. (laughs) I'm sorry. You just, you can't get all the way there. So I think that's just a little bit of a hurdle that everyone's going to have to get over. Um, Rivers is a veteran for sure, but him and Hilton and Pittman, all these guys being on that same exact page, we won't know it until things get real in September. This one's from Shad. Prediction on who is going to be the biggest surprise at camp or a guy you're expecting to take the biggest leap this year? Yes, Shad. You know, we've touched on this at different times throughout the offseason. I, I put Kari Willis really high on that list. Um, I put Paris Campbell really high. And the thing about Campbell that I keep on wanting to stress, he doesn't need eight catches a game. He can impact it with three or four, folks. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need a whole lot. This is not a volume guy. This is a – they're going to show me on SportsCenter one time, and that one time could be the difference in the game. This is not death by a thousand paper cuts. This is a guy that just two, three touches, and defensive coordinators can't sleep the rest of the year. Like, that. that's what he can do for you. And I would say the guy that I've – we lose sight of a lot talking about in the defensive line room because – He's not a draft pick. I think he was a seventh rounder by the Saints and was claimed here. Is Al Kadeem Muhammad? He's an effective rundown defender for you. I think he's kind of a younger Jabal Sheard in some ways. Could he be the early guy out there? I, I still like Danico Autry, 
but could he be an early down guy for you? Dan wants to know what baby Bowen's best combine stat is. 40 time, short shuttle, bench press. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, Rosie Bow's 10 pounds. So I don't know what she's doing on the bench so far. Yeah, unfortunately for Rosie, um, I don't think anyone would call Maddie Lovers Bowen or Kevin Donahue Bowen an explosive athlete. I, I don't think that phrase has ever been uttered for uh, either of us. Uh, we aren't the greatest testers, per se, in, in combine drills. And, and to be fair, Maddie was a terrific volleyball player for four years in college. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Rosie Bow is going to be a blue trait combine athlete i think she might be more of a kind of a stick and ball sport you know we kind of pride ourselves on hand-eye coordination seems like lacrosse is the new thing i don't know much about it um i'd probably prefer golf and softball but um yeah she'll be effective on the field a coach will want her out there but um no, we aren't talking blistering 40 yard dash times short shot i'll tell you what she can move her neck though there you go. I don't go. know what that gets you. Maybe bench. I don't know what that gets you, but um, she can move that thing for seven <laughs> weeks old. Jenny wants to know, were you expecting Ture to start on the pup? Any idea what injury Mo is dealing with? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ture, we, we got we to gotta keep in mind what that injury was for Ture. That was a dislocation and a fracture mm-hmm. in October. So, pup, uh, I feel like every year this happens, everyone sees players sh- show up on pup and they're like, oh, shit. Oh, God. Oh, no. Patience. They can come off pup at any day now. If you have an injury from last season, you're probably, and it was somewhat substantial, you're probably going to be on pup. That's just how it is. That means you are not like 110% right here and right now. That's what that means. So, yeah, I could definitely see Ture being eased into camp practices, things like that. I mean, there were questions of is that a 12-month injury? Is that a 10-month injury? I mean, what are we? That was early October, I think the Colts beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So that was – we're coming up on 10 months. Yep. I mean, that's you know that's probably right around that. Mo, I know he played with a broken thumb last year. I probably need to double-check that. Um, so maybe it's a little bit of that. Uh, but, yeah, those were the two. There was one other guy, Jegs. Jegs something or other, some defensive lineman. And then the reason Blackman is on a different list is because Blackman did that in college. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it in an NFL game. I think there are some questions on why is Blackman on a different list. That would be like if, um, you know, if, uh, well, remember when Mathis, like, tore his Achilles uh, training on his own that one off season? You know, he was that, that's, an, that's a non-football injury, I think is what it's called. Basically, what that means is you didn't do it under our own roof. Gotcha. So, yeah, there's a little bit of logistics behind it. Well, this pod should drop after lunch, which is great because this question from Colts fan Cincy might be, <laughs> oh, it's a little out there. Oh, gosh. How many blowouts have you had to personally change? Follow up, how close of the contents have those diapers resembled 2020 <laughs> thus far? Yeah, I'd say pretty darn close there. <laughs> um, boy, the definition of blowouts can also be murky. I Probably with your own kid, you think there's a few more blowouts than there really is. But, uh, hey, I'll say this. Rosie Bo can fill a diaper. She can if, if you know if Bobby Okariki can fill a hole like Rosie Bo can fill a diaper. Colts will be in good good shape this season. I'll leave it at that. My wife's probably like, good thing I don't think she listens to the podcast anymore. But if she was this far into it, she'd be like, you cannot do that anymore. 
Tito wants to know, do you think the Colts could trade the loser of the kicking battle for a fourth or fifth rounder similar to what the Ravens did last year to the Vikings with Vedvik? Oh, wow. Um, boy, if they did, give Chris Ballard GM of the year. Um, yeah, and with that Vikings, that was the that was after a preseason game. That was um, – and, and this is what I go back to with the Blankenship question of like, how is anyone around the NFL going to know what Rodrigo Blankenship is looking like in practices? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that Vikings kicker, I think, was perfect in the first preseason game, if I remember correctly, and, and hit a bomb, you know, hit a 50-some yard. Well, that's going to drive up his value because he's shown it to every other NFL team in a real game. I, I Blankenship, if he was that worthy, you know, unless there's a slew of kicker injuries, wouldn't he have been drafted? You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, um, so yeah, I, I uh, like, how do teams know if he's good or not in the NFL? So fourth or fifth round, I mean, that's just, can you imagine? That's just. That'd be great. That would be a GM that literally has not slept for three weeks. Like, waking up his wife at night being like, we don't have a kicker. We don't have a kicker. We're going to Carmel <laughs> High School tomorrow. We're finding a soccer player. Like, we do not, I'm sorry, we do not have a kicker. So. Tito, uh, it sounds great, but uh, in 2020, I just that to me is like a McLaughlin goes 14 of 14 in the preseason. That's a lot of field goals. McLaughlin goes eight of eight. Blankenship goes seven of eight, and you trade Blankenship for a six or seven round pick, maybe, but I can't see it. Matt used to not be a George Odom fan, mainly due to his penalties two years ago, but last year he played better. Wants to know how come nobody talks about him being the free safety of the future? Interesting option, if not Hooker or Blackman. You know, Matt, I think you're onto something there, at least with the first part. Like, Chris, I feel like early on with George Odom, there was some TJ Green to him of, oh gosh, big hit after the whistle, out of position a little. But he's running that in very well. And I mm-hmm. think George Odom is a really nice piece for this defense. Um, but no, free safety of the future. It goes back to the what you've invested into that group of, you know, a first round pick in Hooker, a fourth round pick trading up for Kari Willis, a third round pick in Julian Blackman. Like you've invested a lot. And I think Odom can still be one of your better sub package guys. And he's a fine role. I tend to think, and I know he played well against Kansas City last year when he started, but I tend to think the longer George Odom is on the field, the more you see why he was you know, an undrafted guy, you know, very nice player, but the consistency of Kari Willis is different than the consistency of George Odom over a 60 snap game. So, you know, he can be your first safety off the bench and play a huge role for you, but you know, you're not drafting Julian Blackman 85 to back up George Odom. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you're not. From Adam, if you were the Colts media, would would you have just skipped the workout parts of Rivers' first day in the facility video, watching him squat a broomstick didn't exactly get his juices flowing. <laughs> Come on, Adam. Content is content, folks. <laughs> you know, it's shit. We haven't had team sports since Rosie Bow was 20 weeks old or 20 weeks in the womb. I mean, you know, it's sure. I would have loved to have seen Phil Rivers chuck the ball around to Michael Pittman on the practice field. But you know what? Having been inside that building and know how NFL teams work, what you're allowed to show is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're going to get and be happy with it. Honestly, it's just, yeah, I'm not, 
I mean, Rivers was probably only allowed to do so much. Like, I don't even know if he was squatting a broomstick. I think it was more <laughs> for like a measurement standpoint. Who the hell knows what what, what he was doing? But, um, you know, I I think that a question I have though is how much will the Colts show of practice? That's you know, fair. I remember back when the Reds, and I know it's different in baseball, when the Reds restarted spring training a few weeks back, they um, periscoped, like, live batting practice. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm watching Sonny Gray against Joey Votto. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I can't see NFL teams going that far, but do you have any sort of live periscope? Do you cut up highlights and make them a little bit more juicy or longer or something? I. I would love to see that. I think fans deserve that. But like I say, I mean, the NFL treats things like it's the FBI at times. So, um, yeah, Adam, just just be happy, man. Greg, who loves the podcast, um, has a question you'd already touched on a little bit. How do you think they will simulate high-pressure scenarios for the kickers with no fans during games? He's wondering if the field goal conversion rate will increase. Yeah, Greg, it's, um, wow, no fans during games. I, yeah, that I guess, I don't know. You have that one dude who's the far upright, not the one with the window at Lucas Oil. He always walks down to the front row. You ever see that? He's this old dude. Yeah. You must get the biggest kick out of it in the world. <laughs> I, if I were in that section, I'd be like, dude, just sit on your ass, man, or sit in the stands and wave your arms. Um, nothing like saying, oh, I was on TV. Or you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like. I can't imagine Frank Reich's going to be like, Rodrigo, if you miss this, everyone's running wind sprints. I've never seen an NFL team run wind sprints um, during a practice. So I don't know really what you do um, to try to simulate it. I'm very curious. I'll be charting it. I'll be watching it. But sorry, Greg, I don't have a great – and that's why I think Blankenship, while he has been in – arguably he's been in more pressure-packed kicks than Chase McLaughlin. You could make that argument. But the fact that Chase McLaughlin did in the NFL – it makes me think like Blankenship is going to have to go above and beyond might be too big, but beyond Chase McLaughlin from a percentage standpoint in order to win the kicking battle. Austin wants to know with the limited offseason, do you think there's a there's really a chance Chad Kelly makes the roster over Eason? He knows that I know that preseason games are a snooze fest, but I was really looking forward to seeing Eason play. I don't. No, I don't. I think Jacob Eason makes this team. Um, I I do agree with you, Austin. Preseason games can be snooze fest, but when you have guys like Chad Kelly and Jacob Eason play, it gets me a little bit more, you know, on the edge of my seat to watch. And it, it, it it's a kick in the you know what for both those guys that they don't get preseason game reps. I will say that endlessly. And for Chad Kelly, it's a big hindrance to him that the off season is how it is because. I think there's a point where, like, when you get to August 17th, Chris, and you go full pads, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about getting your frontline guys ready for the start of the season. How much time do you have to play around with who's going to be my fourth wideout? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be my third quarterback? Like, you're going with guys you trust, and you're going with guys that you believe in more long-term, I guess, as well, and, and all those things. So, I don't... uh it's not good. Yeah, it's not good for Kelly or Eason, but I think Jacob Eason makes this team, and I don't have a whole lot of debate about it. From Lucas, three Colts made the NFL top 100 in 2020. Buckner at 56, Leonard at 50, who was 24th in 2018, and Big Q at 32. 
Do you feel the players voting for it underrated the Colts and other Colts who didn't make it like Kenny? And where would you put these three on the top 100? Wow, Leonard dropped a lot. 24 to 50. Uh, Lucas, sorry to burst your bubble. And I get this. And Darius Butler and I were going back and forth on this on Twitter yesterday. Basically, this is how the top 100 list works. Used to be PR interns who just hand the list to players. I think the NFL network actually now sends people out to um, to complexes and hands in players. Basically, they vote for their best friends, one through six. Then they vote for Patrick Mahomes, seven, and Aaron Donald, eight. Then they vote for the three best players in their own football team. That gets you to about 11. And if you're still invested at that point, you might vote for some of your college teammates that are around the NFL or maybe a few clients of the same agency as you. And once you get to about 15, you're like, all right, I'm bored. I got practice starting in a half hour, and you hand the list back. Mm -hmm. Sorry to – I mean, this is I, – I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player get past about 25 on that list. It's just – yeah, obviously they're able to make up a list of 100, which is nice, but um, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. I know it's the off season. I know fans are really intrigued by this is a player vote and all of that, but the legitimacy of this player vote, it's a bit Pro Bowl-like to me, to be honest with you. So uh, Buckner, 56, sure. Leonard, 50, ah, maybe a hair low. Big Q, 32, that's probably more because he plays guard. He should be a little bit higher just on how good of a player he is. But um, please don't lose sleep over it. It's not it, It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just trust me. From Keith, God forbid, if one injury could ruin the Colts' season, who would you say it would be? Darius would be a great answer if we didn't have Okariki and Walker. Phillip, but we still have Jacoby, so his guess would be DeForest or Kenny Moore. Yeah, I put Anthony Costanzo, number one, on the most indispensable. We did that a couple podcasts mm -hmm. ago, right? Our most indispensable Colts. And uh, Buckner was two. But Costanzo's clearly one. It's Costanzo to a Raven Clark. Um, Buckner would be significant for sure. You know, my list of most indispensable was what? I think it was Costanzo, Buckner, Kelly, Rivers, Leonard? Yes. Yeah, and then Nelson, Kenny Moore, and Hilton all uh -huh. knocking on the door. Yep. Um yeah, people disagree with that, but I don't think we're disagreeing with Anthony Costanzo. That is by far number one on the list for me. Casey with a K, what surprised you the most, if anything, from yesterday's calls with Ballard and Reich? No opt-outs for now. Yep. You know, what, what, what's the number? The number's got to be over 20, right, around the I NFL? I believe it's over 20 at this point. I mean, heck, half the Patriots' defense said right. no thanks. You know, Patriots are at six. Um yeah, I think that's the biggest storyline. Yeah, certainly the COVID stuff's interesting. The physical practices are interesting. The the position battle stuff, obviously, the stuff that stands out to Chris Ballard, I'm I'm going to be intrigued by. But from a you know, can you imagine if he would have said? I mean, basically, what the Patriots have lost. The Patriots have lost Braden Smith, Darius Leonard, and Kari Willis, right? I mean, Patrick Chung and Marcus yep. Cannon and Dante Hightower. I mean, obviously, Hightower and Linder are on the same level, but you, you know what I'm getting at. So if he would have said any of those three names, we would have spent 15 minutes on the podcast saying, okay, who's your new right tackle? That's that's huge. Yeah. That's you know that's that's massive because you, you know you're going to have injuries in camp. Um, but we record this now with our luck. You know, a player will opt out at 1.07 p.m., and Chris and I will text each other. You know, cuss words. From Hunter, heard on local Louisville radio, 
that Indy is moving on from Vinny, fact or fiction? Well, we got to get Hunter to listen to the local Indy radio. Hunter, tune in. You can listen via uh, the web. You can listen via our app, 107.5 The Fan. The uh, Colts have moved on. Fact or fiction? I, you know, Fact means absolute fact. I would say uh, whatever is like 99.9% of fact, that's what that answer mm-hmm. is. Adam and Terry still not retired. And he's a free agent, so technically he could be signed by any team. He's been a, you know, the Colts have moved on from Adam Vinatieri, I guess, in a way, for four and a half months. He's been a free agent since mid-March. But uh, when Chris Ballard doesn't mention his name yesterday, okay, that's that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. And we've been saying it all along. Rodrigo Blankenship or Chase McLaughlin for your kicker? Question from Trippin Penguin. If Philip Rivers takes Trippin Penguin. Oh, wow. If Philip Rivers tanks early in the season, will the coaching staff insert Jacoby? Can you imagine telling Philip Rivers that you're going to bench him? Well, he's not going to cuss at you. I know, but man, he, <laughs> is he going to be mad? Dagum will be thrown around. Oh, gosh darn it. Shoot. Oh, <laughs> oh golly. Um, I mean, define tank. I, yeah, I, I can't see it. I mean, he's got to be like. God awful. I mean, he's yeah. got to be. You pay the dude twenty five million to be your quarterback. You're going to give him multiple chances. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a two and five football. T- you have to be worse than that. You got to be one and six. And Rivers have thrown thirteen interceptions and two touchdowns. I, I, I have no idea. Like, you got to be terrible. Um, and not to bring up you know old topics, but you, you know my thoughts. If that's the case, here you go, Jacob Eason. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bypassing Jacoby, and a lot of people would disagree with that. Matt wants to mix it up here a little bit. Do you think Indy will ever get an MLB team? Do you think Indy could support one? And also, what would be a good name for them? Well, Matt, unfortunately, I don't. I don't think we would ever get a Major League Baseball team. There's just too many markets close by. Yeah. What do you got? Cubs, White Sox, Tigers, Indians, Reds, Cardinals. That's six teams. Brewers within a five-hour drive. Mm -hmm. Everyone around here already kind of has their allegiance elsewhere. That's always the advantage I th- felt like the Pacers had, which is why I think a lot of times you see visiting fans at Pacer games. There's no NBA team in Cincinnati. There's no NBA team in Louisville. There's no NBA team in St. Louis. Yep. So you're getting all those fans of LeBron and Steph and Giannis and Kawhi. They drive in from those markets because if you're not seeing them play against the Pacers, you're driving a lot further to go see them play. So Major League Baseball really hurts. I would love it. We would love oh, it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be awesome. Uh, we have an we have just one of the greatest ballparks you could imagine in Victory Field, and I'm very disappointed that I'm not able to go out to some Indians games this summer. But um, I saw the turn into a golf course. Did you see that? No. Yeah, they're going to do a little par three course, um, at Victory Field. Like you got to rent out tee times and and you tee off from the concourse a couple holes and the grounds crew has to love that idea. yeah yeah I, I think well good news is i think you are well i don't know if you play the holes out that's a good question i assume you play the holes out um but yeah so huh. um i don't know i mean I, I i i support is a fair question you know that's you know we aren't a massive city like I said, there's a whole lot of other Major League Baseball teams. It took a while for this city to adopt the Colts. And if Peyton's here, do we ever adopt the Colts? Mm-hmm. You know, if Peyton doesn't come here. Like, that's fair. Um, 
Nicknames? I got nothing, Matt. I'm so bad at that. I saw you know Indianapolis Indians, I guess, are reviewing their team name. I saw the Indy Star come out with like 10 or 12 nicknames. I didn't like any of them. And, I didn't like, see them. I didn't see them. It's like Cosmos and Arrows and Clowns and like, you know, old indie baseball gotcha. teams that have had. And I'm just like, we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. I'm so bad with nicknames. Like, I don't know what sounds good. Give me something that has a semblance of the city, put it in a poll, and let's vote on it. Well, we like, both said racers. That was the first one that popped in our know, head. I mean, obviously, that, you know, used to be a hockey team. And I, I don't know. I'm sorry, Matt. Patrick thought you had a good question to Coach Reich during the press conference about the risk to the coaching staff. If Coach Reich did get the virus, who do you think would step in and assume the role of head coach? Well, first, that's a fascinating question, Patrick, that you've asked that I haven't thought about. Secondly, the reason I asked that is because Colts Mexico asked me that earlier in the week. <laughs> t- this is why this podcast is Your questions could make it back to Ballard or Frank exactly. Reich people. You guys are doing my job. Um, I mean, but in all seriousness, I was like, wait. That's a good question. Yeah, I hadn't really given that as much thought as I should. And Frank kind of downplayed it. Um, and I didn't mean that as like a shot at Frank of like your own health. I meant like there's 20 other coaches on your staff. Several of them are much older than you are. Mm-hmm. Have any of them come to you with a concern? Uh, I don't know if Frank totally took it like that. But um, as far as who would be your interim head coach, I have no freaking idea. You know, when... um. There was rumors of Pagano being fired midseason. You had Joe Philbin on your staff. Yeah, Philbin was a former head coach, and the advantage you would have with Philbin is he w- is not one of your coordinators. So you're still allowing, you know, at the time, Chudzinski and what, Monachino, I guess, still operate their own units and then just promote your O-line coach up. Right. I looked, and I don't know if the Colts have one guy on their staff that has ever been a head coach. Pe- like, anywhere. Anywhere. Um, I know Mike Groh, their wideouts coach, was the offensive coordinator in Philly last year once Reich yep. you know, left. But, um, I mean, I guess Eberflus for experience? like, I, I, but It's a tough question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Sirianni's so young and you know, he's never even called the plays. You'd also be losing your play caller. I guess Sirianni would call the plays. Do you want him to be the head coach too? Probably not. So, Just give uh, it to Ursay. Come on down. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. Oh my gosh! If Jim was had the headset on, and God, that'd be awesome. Let's do an Abby's hat pick. <laughs> yeah, see who right. would be who'd be the old play caller or Blue. I see Blue. You know, if this team can play half as good as Blue's TikTok, from what I hear, Colts will be in good shape this year. For Mac, just wondering, what do you think would have a better record, Peyton Manning with the team we currently have, or Prime Andrew Luck in the Manning era Colts? Oh boy, give that to me again. Who would have the better record? Prime Peyton Manning with this current roster or Prime Andrew Luck with the Manning era roster? Mac, I'm trying to keep the listeners happy. There's no easy answer here. This is a no win. Who do you piss off here? You know, the eight listeners we have that have named their kids Peyton or, you know, the Andrew Luck truthers that... I. To be honest, I think it's got a clear answer. I think it's prime Andrew Luck. So do I. I really don't think there's much of a debate. I mean, you're giving Andrew Luck a Hall of Famer at running back. Arguably his number two, two top two what? wideouts. <laughs> his two pass rushers. 
the offensive line seems to be pretty gar- pretty darn good, and like Dallas Clark isn't bad, and you know Bob Sanders if he stays healthy, yeah, yeah. I mean, luck. I, I, this is a nice roster the Colts have. They don't have four or five Hall of Famers on this team at key spots, like you know, running back, wide out, and defensive end. I mean, that's whoo, 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 yeah. Peyton would be darn good with this team, but Andrew Luck with that team, man, sign me up. All right, Kev, you need to help Zach here a little bit. Okay, all right, I'm nervous. So there's a lot of talk about Buckner playing the most important position on this defense, but he is not 100% clear why it's defensive tackle. Is it bringing pressure up the middle in general or taking double teams for one-on-one matchups the rest of the line or double teams creating lanes for the linebackers and Kenny on the design blitz or all of the above or something more technical or tell him that he's just overthinking it? No, Zach, it's all of them, all of them. All those reasons. You just listed four reasons, and I just nodded my head at all four of them. Like <laughs> That's why. There is a domino effect. There is a multiplicity effect, whatever you want to call it. DeForest Buckner impacts the game individually, and then you just said it. Across the defensive line, he absorbs some double teams. Um, that opens up the edge rushers. If he's doing that, the linebackers are running a little bit more free. And if he's able to disrupt timing from an interior pressure standpoint, that helps your back end. You know, interior, he's the closest guy to the ball of anybody on your defense. Mm-hmm. So, theoretically, if he's disrupting the timing, he can do it the earliest in the play. And this is like football 101. And if he's doing that, that can disrupt the entire play. That's why the old saying of you win in the trenches. Yep. Like, if you can't hold up there, you got no shot. So, yeah, Zach, all of it. You're good, man. Don't 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 overthink it. Have a, have a beer and, and smile. <laughs> Patrick's going to jump us back to the kicking situation here. Do you see a scenario where the Colts use a practice squad spot for one of the guys that doesn't win the kicking job, whether that be due to performance or possible COVID ramifications? You know, Patrick, usually I'd laugh at this. You know you know me. I'm like, why do we need two roster spots for a kicker? But I'm not, and I'm not going to laugh. Um, having said that, I still think it's too valuable. Those spots are too precious, especially this season. You know, the old cliche of, you prepare as a starter. If you're on our practice squad, you're a star- like literally this year, they're kind of right. <laughs> so I'm not going to laugh at it, but still the spots are a little bit too too precious to me. Um, you know, Rigoberto kicked in college. You can always find a kicker on the streets. I know it wouldn't appease you, but, you know, hopefully COVID-wise you wouldn't be out for too long. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not doing that. From JJ, the Colts returned 21 of 22 starters last year, and the result was a 7-9 and season with a boring team. You said that the Colts expect few position battles and rookie starters in 2020. Do you think do the Colts really expect different results with just few new players? Is Buckner so good that he's worth four or five wins, or are the Colts satisfied with mediocrity? Well, JJ, I'm not going to go there. Um, you know, Buckner, four or five wins, that's quite a lot. What I will say is this, is DeForest Buckner worth a win or two? Sure. Is Philip Rivers worth a win or two? Sure. Okay. Now, instead of seven and nine, you're nine and seven, ten and six. So that maybe you learn how to make an extra point. Now you're 11 and five. I mean, it's not one player that's making this difference. It's, okay, a Buckner here. A Rivers here, and we're not getting into Pittman or Taylor or Rhodes. We don't need to put pressure that much, a full win pressure on those guys. Let's just let's just go with the Rivers and Buckner. Was your quarterback play less than stellar last year? Yes. yes. Can you improve there? 
Sure, if you do, that position really matters. That's a win or two in my eyes. And Buckner, does one player on defense mean that much when you can have the domino effect and you were as bad pass defense-wise as you were last year? Yes, in my eyes. That's another win or two. And then, like I said, kicker-wise is kicker-wise. So, um, yes, the Colts do really expect a difference results with just a few players. It's, And obviously you're expecting other guys to step up as well. But um, I think that's how you have to look at it. Did the Colts have a lot of one-possession wins last season? They did. But I think you're expecting a general step up and progression and then also those guys at those important positions stepping up as well. Five more questions left on this week's pod. This is from Matt, who says, It's been a long time. Hopes everything's well with you and your family. Same to you, Matt. Good hearing from you. It has been a long time. He's wondering if you'd want the Colts to go all in on Rodgers next year if he's available. Well, now he's not with Danica, no. <laughs> um, it's no. amazing how that doesn't work out. Yeah, shocking. Um, Sure, why not? I'm all for entertainment. That's going to be tough. <laughs> that, that, that's a whole lot of money. That gets back into our Dak Prescott debate a few weeks ago of the type of money you'd be throwing at a quarterback. But, yeah, why not? I mean, all in, yeah. It's it's If you don't fall in love, you know, I will make ex- exceptions. While I think the rookie quarterback contract makes a whole lot of sense for the next decade, if you can get, not even arguably, I would say a top five quarterback of my lifetime, Aaron Rodgers in his prime, yeah, Green, yeah. Brady, like maybe Mahomes, some people might throw in there. But, I mean, from a pure talent standpoint, Aaron Rodgers is certainly a top-five quarterback in the last 30 years of football. Um, and I was too young to say Favre or L.A., for those of you that are bitching. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be tough, but I, I, I'm making an exception. If I can get five years out of him, we'll find him some nice Midwest girl we can settle down with. Chase has a fear that without the influence of Walker – Darius might decline a little. Yes, you have the huge upside with Okariki, and he's clearly a smart guy as well, but he doesn't know if it's enough, if enough can be said for Walker and Leonard together. Even though he will be expensive and maybe be better, how do you balance that trade-off when an, when an upgrade at Mike may create a bit of a drop at the will? Well, Chase, it's an interesting thought. You know, I feel like at times we're treating Anthony Walker like he's, you know, Darius Leonard's a star player, and Anthony Walker's his next door neighbor. And you got to have, you know, Anthony Walker's family's got to drive Darius Leonard to basketball practice, so he's got to be on the team as well. Yeah, you know, I almost feel like we're 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 going there. Um, Walker's obviously much better than that. So, um, well, first off, I kind of think like Bobby Okariki is very smart. Um, and this is a good question. I don't discredit it by any means. I just think Leonard's got to get around that. You know, if you're truly a star player, you can't have your – and handheld is too, like, derogatory of a statement. But, like, okay, you've got to start seeing that stuff. You've got to start reading that stuff. You've got to – okay, whatever Anthony's doing that you need um, Bobby to do as well, you know, tell that to Bobby when, when Bobby's on the field. Um, but – and also Walker, you know, while Anthony Walker led the team in tackles last year and I think played every game, he only played about probably, and I'm just guessing off the top of my head here. I, I can look it up pretty quick, actually. Um, I'm guessing he played 70% of the snap counts. So 70, 70% of snaps all year long. So, I mean, not like a... Mm-hmm. Okay, Anthony Walker, 78% of the snaps. 
And I think a lot of that had to do with um, he probably played every single snap when Leonard didn't play. Yeah, he did. So his snap counts look like this, 57%, 59%. Leonard misses three straight games, 100%, 100%, 100%. Then, he, <laughs> then Leonard comes back, he goes to 54, 76, 72, 72, 62, 89, 83. So, like, he's not on the field every single play. Um, yeah, I mean, some of that will factor into this, you know, contract and all of that as well. But, you know, I also think there's kind of a level of individual responsibility guys got to take. Kevin, Aaron wants football. He's excited for the revamped Colts. However, he can't see how we can have a pro football safely for all involved due to the nature of the sport and the continuing spike of the virus. College football, even less of a chance. What are your thoughts? Well, first, Aaron, I want football. You know, I want, I want, I want a healthy baby. I want a healthy wife. I want a healthy family. Um, and I want football. I do. And I, I people will laugh at this. If I, if I wasn't working in this industry, I'd rather have college football than pro football, but that's, that's for another story. I just love college football so much. Um, testing and behavior. Drill at home. Drill at home. Positives for me is this. Major League Baseball, no positives. Test outside of the Marlins. The Phillies aren't testing positive. That's good news. Yes, it is. Um, let's not lose sight of that. Let's also remember... NFL teams, theoretically, will travel eight nights the entire year. Eight road games. There's talk of some teams traveling day of. I don't know if we're there yet. Ooh. But I'm. this is me. You fly into Jacksonville. Your security staff's gone in a day early. They've sanitized all the team buses. You go straight to the hotel. You're there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And sorry about you, you're not seeing Jacksonville nightlife. And really... To, like, take fans behind the scenes a little bit, usually teams leave at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. You fly to that city, and players typically get one to two hours right when you land. So you're, like, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. You can go have dinner with your family if they're in town to watch you play, whatever. Go to a mall, do something like that. And then you're in the hotel the rest of the night, mm-hmm. and curfew's 11 o'clock. you got team meetings and treatment all that. So it's not like you're sightseeing by any means. So basically, you just eliminate that four to six window. Yeah. Sorry. Make sacrifices. This is 2020, people. That's the name of the game. Um, having said that, you look at the Colts schedule, Chris. Pull up the Colts schedule for me, if you don't mind. And I was filling in for Dan earlier this week, and I um, I think they only need to get on a plane one time until December. Read off those road games. September 13th at Jacksonville. Plane. October 4th at Bears. We can bus. You can bus. We can mega bus. It. The next week, October 11th at the Browns. Can we not bus? November 1st at the Lions. Boom. November, and that's it. November 12th, the Titans. Is that on the road? Yes. Bus it. This is the perk of being the crossroads of America. Yeah, right, right. So I, many of these cities are drivable. Right, and I know every team obviously doesn't benefit from that, but... More so what I'm getting at is Major League Baseball, you're playing on the road sometimes three nights during the week, four nights during the week. If you've got back-to-back road trips, you're on the week, you're on the road every single night. Yep. The NFL doesn't have that issue. Does the NFL have different issues? Yes. You have a sport where you tackle and slobber on each other, and you have bigger rosters. That is that is the big issue. But if you can handle things from a testing standpoint, you're traveling a whole lot less than 
Major League Baseball is traveling. And then also you just behave. We need everyone. Jeff Passan, Major League Baseball, had the quote of the year. Major League Baseball will continue to operate until a player gets too horny on the road. And that, that sounds wild. It's so true. Mm-hmm. We, we have all got to... We all got to lock in. Ballard and Reich said it yesterday. There will be no visitors during the season. You know, sometimes they've got family, friends, stuff like that that come in. No, you can't. You can't have that. And it's going to be a bit of an army, you know, military type feel to it of like, okay, this is what we got to do. But if you're going to make your business work, we're all trying to make our businesses work right now. We all are trying to do that. If you're going to make this business work, this is what has to happen. College football. God bless the ACC for trying, and I'm glad that they've at least formulated a plan so, like, these schools know, okay, this is what we're doing. Let's try to operate. But the bubble's about to burst in college football. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen some of these teams have to stop their workouts, but we've seen, like, Notre Dame have two tests and 800 tests or whatever. They've yeah. had great testing numbers. And a lot of schools have had great testing numbers. But now you're about to put 20,000 people on a campus or 10,000 people on a campus, and you can't bubble them what do you you put all college football players in the dorm mm-hmm. you know i i don't know what you do so that is my concern with college football from ethan what colts were snubbed from the top 100 list he knows that the list may be short but there must be some players the colt there must be some people that the colts players outperformed on that list right you know ethan I, it is short i would the two that come to mind immediately are costanzo and kenny moore but I probably wouldn't put Kenny Moore on there. Maybe Costanzo. Um, you know, how many offense tackles are on that list? If there's more than five, Costanzo should be on there. And Hilton. Hilton doesn't deserve after, after last year. It's more of a career. You know, that's a very year-to-year award, not necessarily like a top 100 players in the entire NFL based off their careers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, outside of Costanzo, Moore, I got nobody. All right. Last one this week comes from Logan. Giving the birth of his daughter, do you think Luck would have decided to sit out this season? And if you were and if you were a starting NFL quarterback, would you sit out? Well, Logan, that's a good one. Um, okay, let's start with the hypothetical with me. Um, if my family's healthy, I'm playing. Point blank. So um I even with the six week, you know, seven week old, you know, I uh um Full transparency, I have been tested for COVID-19 at some point during this whole process, and a big reason why is because I have am around a young child. Like, that's a big reason why. So, um, but I think I could be able to try and be as healthy as possible, and um, there would be a money value. And that's like, I, I see people rip some of these guys for, for not playing. I'm like, I, I commend them for putting their family first because – turning away millions of dollars and like yes the Dante Hightowers and the Patrick Chung's that's a little different I think Marcus Cannon if I'm not, not mistaken is a cancer survivor like I mean there are some right some big time you know factors weighing into these into these um calls by him but if I'm a young rookie and I am giving this up the NFL will forget about you quick I mean <laughs> they will that's the harsh reality of this business so it's um yeah, it's a uh, – and obviously I tested negative for any of those that are, like, worried that I might be <laughs> seeping through the mic um, or for Chris. Um, 
if there are any risks, you aren't taking those chances. But at the same time, these guys look at it as I'm 23 years old and a million two is different than 150,000 mm-hmm. or whatever else the opt out would be. So, um, would luck have opted out? That's really interesting. It's a good point. Um, probably. I, but that's just total conjecture on my part. I have no idea if he, uh, if he would or not. That's a good one. All right, well, that one wraps up the Twitter questions for this week. I had two sneak in here at the end. Okay. Let me get these. Uh, Jason want to ask me about COVID practice rules, name the six. Uh, I'll do that one next week. Okay, Big Bama, our guy, just watching tape on Michael Pittman. Is there a current or past player he reminds you of? To me, he has some Michael Thomas in him uh, where he's not going to wow you with speed and just knows how to get open and beat with his route running and possession receiver. I've said Cortland Sutton before for okay. Michael Pittman. Um, Michael Thomas is probably not listed as big as Pittman. Um, he's a pretty big guy, though. He's big, but not like 6'4", 225, yeah. I think, or whatever Pittman's listed at. So that that's kind of a name that I come back to. But I could see the Michael Thomas one. And then uh, Eric goes with, what areas of the team do you think the national media are too high or low on? What area do you think Colts fans are too high or low on? Well, the national media, I think, is very um, low on Rivers. I think they're super high on, um, hmm, probably like the offensive line will solve all. I think that's kind of like where the national media is like, oh, yeah, they have the best offensive line in football. They'll be good. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you're one injury away from really scrambling. So Colts fans too high or low on? I mean, if you're a fan of the Colts, you're probably too high on, like, you know, you're always high on everything. Secondary, people are skeptical of. I don't, um, Maybe pass rush is one that I'm like, just got to see it. Like, again, Turay's got to stay healthy. People are like, oh, yeah, he'll be 10 sacks. It's like, well, no. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to football than just what it looks like on paper. So, um, too low on. I, I keep on thinking if Trey Burton can be healthy, he can be a really good player. I, I don't think people are talking enough about him. So, yeah, those are a few that pop into my mind. Cool. All right, man. That's it for this week. Um, thank you for two this week. I appreciate that, Chris. I know yeah. kind of a crazy schedule. But uh, as far as next week, like I said, I'm going to let this podcast breathe a little bit. Um, we'll have some player Zooms in the next couple of days, weeks. We'll also have coordinators. And then I think Frank Reich every now and again. Um, but, yeah, I, I will not be at the complex per se next week. So we'll still have some written content up on the site that you guys should definitely check out. Um, but, yeah, that's how uh, – the next few days and week, we'll look for Kevin's corner. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Kevin's Corner.